So, questions? Do multiple kindreds attacks this uh, attacks ever stop? <laughs> <laughs> Do multiple hindrance attacks ever stop? Um, well, um, um, I do. I do know that they get much less in redu reduction in intensity, um, and you know my understanding of the unfolding of the path is that at a certain stage of the path, greed and aversion, well, I don't think it's actually greed and aversion at that stage, but it's um, basic, the, the gross forms of, of greed and aversion. I think it may be ill will and sense desire fall away. And that's the larger form of these multiple hindrance attacks. Um, on the other hand, conceit and doubt and restlessness, not doubt, conceit and Restlessness and sloth and torpor are going to stay with us to, to the end of the path. So get used to them. <laughs> get, used, get used to the fact that these hindrances seem to come together. And in my experience, it's just an object. You know, that's all it is. <laughs> it's just something to be known. So the, the, the intensity of those multiple, like the waves of defilement washing up over us really reduce as the practice unfolds. That I can definitely tell you. <laughs> Just a, a report back from the task that you gave us to try to pay attention to the mind the planning. Uh -huh. about what comes next. Uh -huh. I found that there were two kinds of thinking about what comes next that arose. One was sort of um, self-generating uh, and greed-motivated uh, um, sort of um, building. Self-generated meaning? It's generated by itself. Auto, sort of auto-thinking. Uh, okay. Greed thinking, basically building, building sandcastles. Okay. This is going to happen. I'm going to do this. This is going to be wonderful. Um, and when I became aware that that was happening and tried to switch on awareness, that thinking stopped and I really could see very little um, reason to continue it because it was so obviously based in defilement. Right. And I actually had to, at a certain point, as part of the investigation, I decided to just put some conscious effort into even seeing if there was any kind of thinking about what comes next that would not be defilement-based. It would be like, well, what is in fact coming next in my life that might be useful for me to think about? And, and, that, so, and then I was able to at least attempt to practice with continuing that form of thinking while trying to be mindful or mm -hmm. trying to do that. Uh -huh. Anyway, so I just, I thought, I just, I don't, I don't know how much of a question there is in this, mostly an observation, and I guess a, a thought is that it seems to me that if I become aware, if I become aware that I'm engaged in defilement-based thinking and that thinking ceases, that's sort of, you know... No need to pick it back up. <laughs> no <laughs> Definitely. Need to, no need yeah. to sort of 
try to cultivate the ability to remain aware of that I stream. I would not try to cultivate the ability to stay aware of that stream of thought. At times it may happen that that stream of thinking has enough power and in daily life that might happen more. You have a pretty good momentum of mindfulness here and so it picks up on the defilement and the mindfulness is strong and that, that, that awareness and wisdom know this is not useful and it just has, the thought will go away because of that. In daily life um, the momentum of the defilement may be stronger than the wisdom in which case it's helpful to cultivate the ability to at least know yeah this sandcastle kind of thinking is happening right now but I would not I would not like at this point try to perpetuate it um, but in daily life it may well happen that the wisdom won't be quite strong enough um, to have the power to encourage it to let go yeah. And the other kind of uh, planning, you know, that's an interesting exercise. You know, it's like, okay, what is the next thing that I might need to be doing some thinking about? And see if we can actually consciously think in a way that's helpful and supportive. Did, did you play with that? Yeah. I mean, it, it was markedly less enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Than, than the sandcastle one, or yeah. than... Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, really, it, I actually became somewhat dejected because I realized that, in fact, all of the fantasies that I've woven about how fabulous my life will be as soon as I get back to it are false, and that my life is just as I left it, which is complicated. <laughs> Discovering it now. <laughs> That's a benefit. <laughs> yeah, Craig. Um, so, uh, that last talk about um, being able to meet each moment in an open sort of way, I realized how much fear I have. I'm very often run, running through my mind ways to meet those moments because of, of um, insecurity. And um, so uh, I guess just being aware of that is, is, is the thing. That, that, that's, that's the, I mean, it's... it's so I mean, you know, some of that's not greed. I mean, there's the aversion form of being... Out in front of yourself. Yeah, yes. Um, so the, the basic work in meeting that unknown, the fact that we don't really know, is that there is that, um, there, are, there is reactivity to that. I mean, it's hard to meet that. And so, you know, at one time, I mean, he doesn't say this as much anymore, but it's in the Defilements book that, you know, we get to know right attitude by studying wrong attitude. So we get to know the, um, um, the, the way to being at ease with things as they are by studying how we're not at ease with things as they are. Without another defilement laid on top of it, being judging yourself about that. Yes. Right. Yeah, and if you notice the judging, then step back and allow the judgment right. 
to be there. Um, that that's just, okay, that's the wrong attitude about this, that's the judgment. I'm judging that I shouldn't be insecure or, mm-hmm. um, okay, well, I get to know judging by, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I get to know, right attitude comes by have, taking a perspective of, can I get to know judging? Mm-hmm. So the language he uses now is more allowing it to be an object mm-hmm. instead of um, in the observing mind. The judging or the insecurity? Well, both. both. <laughs> yeah, both. I mean, anytime you notice an attitude in the mind, it just becomes another object. And, and sometimes the field of, you know, the, the, when we do this, we, this is the, the multiple hindrance attack, right? I mean, you've mm. got, the, you've got mm. the insecurity, and then you've got the judging, and that's, mm. you know, one hindrance mm. feeding off of another. Mm. Um, and we just kind of step back, and if it's too much to, and you can have like 10... just kind of a ripple effect of, you know, sadness about the judging and frustration about the sadness and it's like, (laughs) we get swamped. (laughs) And so when that kind of thing happens, for me it's just like, okay, it's a mess. It's a mess of defilements. That's what's happening. Yeah, it's just a big mess. And not to try to say, oh, this part is frustration, and this part is sadness, and this part is vulnerability, you know. Just take the mess. And, you know, my word for that now is complication. Mm. The mind is complicating things. Okay, you know, complication. Mm. That's what's happening right now. Or chaos. You know, it's chaotic right now. Confusing. Confusing, yeah. Something like that. And just acknowledge that the mind is kind of confused, chaotic, Etc. It sure is great to be able to meet the moment without all that baggage. That's the whole, <laughs> that's the whole uh, idea of this, right? Exactly, yes. Well, the other thing I wanted to point to in what your question, um, and I, I mentioned this in the talk, the, the feeling of vulnerability, mm-hmm. which is related to insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, and vulnerability, the sense that you know, we are vulnerable, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, insecurity, to me, has a feeling of um, uh, looking for something secure. Mm. Vulnerability can just be an acknowledgement of, yeah, I don't know, things are uncertain. You know, that there's just that sense of the, the uncertainty. And that... So that, that I think vulnerability is kind of the emotional response to uncertainty in a way that it's true, and, and it's true. We are vulnerable. It's a truth. So we're meeting a truth with that. And insecurity is a little bit of a twist on that mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's not acceptable that I feel right. vulnerable. Whereas, whereas vulnerability is a little more of a, Neutral it, it can be. It can be open. And open. You can be open and feel vulnerable. Right. Um, less, less uh, barrier between you and right. the outside world. And so that that's a place of meeting truth. Mm-hmm. And again, it's kind of I talked about this a little bit that inside the middle of many of our defilements is something very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, you know, it's like this is truth in the middle, and it's that. Our minds um, rebel against the truth. They don't like the truth. 
No. <laughs> well, because that's... Because we create, construct <laughs> the self <laughs> that needs something that... Um, so there's that twist on the truth. But sometimes when the mind can touch in, so at the level of insecurity, just hanging out with insecurity, you might from time to time <coughs> notice the feeling of vulnerability. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and that can feel a little more pure in a way. So insecurity is a little more around a more established self, Vulnerability. Vulnerability can be Less just more, just a sense of, yeah, this is just a kind of a truth mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah, anything could happen at any time. You know, I could be walking down that path and have a heart attack. I could be, mm-hmm. you know, it's just... We're all riding the razor's edge. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just a truth. And our minds don't want to acknowledge that truth. Mm-hmm. So... That's a lot of how we block that not knowing. You know, the, the, the ideas, the opinions come in. It's like, no, no, I don't want to know that vulnerability. I don't want to know that truth that I don't know what the next moment will bring. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have a question? Yeah, I wanted to, before I go to Joanne, I wanted to see if there's others. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So um, in one of our smaller Q&A groups, you had... Um, talked about how the mind often gets lost in thought when there's an agenda um, of some kind. And I was out in the world yesterday, so I was in a context where I needed to do goal-directed thinking, and actually with other people. Um, Do you have suggestions on how to maintain a sense of this balanced awareness when, in fact, the mind has an agenda that is realistic? It it should be happening. Practice. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what Sayadaw said yesterday. It's the first day. Just practice. Keep trying. Just try. You know. <laughs> Notice when you wake up. <laughs> you know. I'm sure you had moments when you woke up. Absolutely, and, and the mind was extremely clear about the tasks at hand. I mean, it was a joy to do what uh-huh. I was doing, but I. Woke up about half an hour later. I'm like, oh, I have a body. <laughs> there, there, there's a body sitting on this chair talking to these people. Yes. So um, I was just wondering if you had any from your own experience. Any. Well, the ones I shared with you in and and that I will share shortly. Okay. Well, um, those are the main the main ones uh, okay. that I work with. Um, I can't think of anything else. Maybe noticing the energy of the agenda. Okay. You know, it kind of feels like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that, and that, I mean, that kind of energy, I think, has some defilement in it. You know, so the agenda, yes, the... Right. The go, you know, the, how the mind leaps onto it. You know, so that, like, at an energetic level, feeling the kind of energy of the agenda... So the agenda, maybe agenda is not the best word to use, but the goals can be wholesome or mm-hmm. neutral. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about differentiating that from the gotta get it done yes. kind of yes. defilement. Yeah, exactly. Um, and or or the you know the eagerness. Mm-hmm. You know, eagerness is a really seductive um, form of greed. As a flaming greed type, I totally relate. <laughs> 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 so. 
uh, I don't want to railroad too much, but the, one of the reasons this is of interest to me is because um, there's a lot of body tension often. Not so much when working with other people, but these same kinds of goal-directed tasks if I'm by myself. The mind-body locks down over time. Yeah. Um, well, you may find it easier to explore it alone mm -hmm. first, you know, to, so you're sitting down to a task that has a goal. Prime yourself. Okay, I'm probably this is going to come up, you know. Let me just do the best I can to to notice it. You know, we do not have a lot of control over this unfolding. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful for me. <laughs> yeah. Could you say more of that about the defilements and the agenda? Because you know, I, I noticed that that. Um, the mind will come up, you know, like I might be doing something and accomplishing it. The mind will come up with, oh, well, you should do this, and then you should do that, and then you should do this. You know, in, in, in all sorts of different circumstances. It can be at a retreat. It could be, you know, at home. It could be anywhere. This little agenda starts creating itself. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like run. It kind of runs me. You know, one of the things I don't notice. It. One of the things Sayadas has said, uh, particularly around this kind of thing, is watch for eagerness. Get familiar with eagerness, um, because the eagerness can fuel that cycle. Um, it depends for you. I mean, sometimes agenda-based thinking can also be out of aversion. You know, I'm more familiar with that. I think it, it 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 it's it's taken me a while to really see how eagerness operates because I'm so aversion based mm -hmm. in my uh, habits. Um, so the um, you know we can also have agendas of need to get rid of that, need to fix that, need to change that. You know, mm -hmm. um, so there can also be that. It, so looking at the flavor of it in your own mind, mm -hmm. just getting familiar with how the defilements are related to your agenda making. Um, and there are times that there are, you know, things we need to accomplish. And we're not saying, you know, uh, okay, if there's greed involved, then no, you shouldn't make dinner. <laughs> you know, that... <laughs> but, but, you know, notice that, there's, notice that there's greed involved. And see if you can kind of connect... Uh, just, you know, be with that, you know, that kind of energy of the um, the excitement and, you know, like suppose you're making a dinner for a, a, a some company that's coming, you know, so there may be some greed in there, but there also may be a lot of, you know, happiness of preparing this for friends and, you know, the sense of the... Um, uh, the offering, the, the the offering this to friends, and you know, so there's also probably some wholesomeness in there. You know, cooking for yourself. There's the wholesomeness of supporting the mind and body. You know, so to um, to connect with the fact that there there are we have mixed motivations, right? I mean, mm -hmm. mixed motivations will be with us for a long time. <laughs> so, and just noticing that they're mixed. And seeing if you can connect a little bit with the the more wholesome motivations that accompany our actions, and then, like Dan was saying, you know, some of our our agenda making, our 
planning our thoughts. It's, it is so clouds in the sky that it's hard to really find a wholesomeness there. Um, and if that's the case, you know, see if you can let it go or, you know, cultivate the wisdom that understands there's some delusion in that. <laughs> you know, the delusion of that's how life is going to be, you know. It's like, well, no, <laughs> it's not going to be like that. So those are just a few thoughts, kind of a wander of thoughts. Is, <laughs> is there any uh, anything that that sparked that... Um, a little more, another question that... Well, just that um, there must be, you know, as you say, the, the, the greed part, there must be uh, some sort of a punch or a burst of pleasure or something. Oh. From accomplishing absolutely. things. Absolutely, yes. You know? And it's really helpful to notice that. And, and this, this points to a teaching... Um, from the Buddha, actually, and I love this teaching because it really points us to just, you know, be where you are. You know, he talks about noticing the gratification of sense pleasure. You know, notice the gratification that comes from accomplishing things. Um, essentially, this is looking at the happiness of the world of objects, you know. there There is some happiness that comes from being able to prepare a nice dinner, you know, so... Um, to, to, to just acknowledge that and to begin to understand the next step in the instruction is to understand how far does that happiness extend? You know, what's the, what's the, yeah, it's, it's, it, the, the word extend is the, is the word the Buddha uses or the translation of the word the Buddha uses. Um, Essentially, you know, how long does that kind of happiness last? Mm, that's a, that, that, I think, is a very good question. And mm. what happens to you? You know, typically, typically what happens is that kind of gratification begins to fade, is that the mind starts searching, where do I get the next hit? <coughs> where do I get the next hit? And so we, we end up on this, you know, endless... Um, cycle. And as long as we're accomplishing and getting and doing and it's going our way, we feel happy. As soon as there's any kind of roadblock, despair, (laughs) (laughs) frustration, anxiety, anger, all of that stuff comes up. so you can also you can also you know recognize yes there's happiness here and acknowledge in that the impermanence of that happiness yes this is a happiness and there's you know it is a gratification that will end you know to 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 acknowledge that even as it's happening you know brings a kind of a a sense of you know poignancy or beauty it's 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 kind of the the acknowledgement of um the emotions of impermanence in a way, you know, that, that as we acknowledge the, the impermanent nature of both the happiness and the things of the world, there's a, a, a deeper kind of beauty that comes from that. You know, I found myself crying about, about you know, the, 
the poignancy and the sadness and it's like I don't know whether I'm crying because it's so sad that things are ending or because it's so beautiful you know so that's that's kind of in the terrain of the emotions of impermanence we don't the bittersweet is the best word I guess you know Gil I, I, I talked about this to Gil at one point he said yeah we don't really have a good word in the English language that conveys these deep emotions of meeting impermanence bittersweet poignancy are probably the closest ones um, um, so notice noticing you, if you if you're noticing this kind of gratification and then you start noticing how the mind moves into a kind of a and where's the next place I can get it? You might just incline your mind with some wisdom to remind yourself, yeah, and this is impermanent. This won't last. Not as a way to, to you know, make yourself feel depressed, but, but to cultivate the sense of, yeah, this time with friends, this is impermanent. I don't know whether this will come together again. It, it brings a sense of immediacy and connection by meeting the... Um, the the fading nature of happiness, you know, the fact that it changes. So I don't know if that. Yeah, that's that's really amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say so my question is, I'm not sure how to actually ask it. It has to do with the um, request I made of you last night um, about taking a hike. And so I would, I've been thinking, I thought about that before I made it, and I thought about it a lot since, and I got caught in something, and that's what I'm trying to explore with you. Okay. Um, you got caught in before you made the request? Yeah, or? like there was a part of, yeah, there was a, I, I tried to work with making the request. Um, with awareness, and I was aware that it would create some tension for you, um, and I overrode that with my desires. And so I'm wondering, um, just wanting to hear a little bit if there's some feedback about that, or uh, it, so that's interesting to me that you know you had that sense, mm -hmm. and then the overriding with yeah, the desire. Yeah. So exploring that kind of terrain for yourself does that happen to you in other situations yeah. where you have a sense of um, concern or thought, and and then there's a desire that comes in. You might explore that edge a little bit for yourself. I mean, what happens is it is discomfort. So I think if I act, the discomfort will go away. Uh huh. And so that kind of blocks out everything else. Uh huh. And the moment I act, then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Then <laughs> everything else can come back. Um, but I'm, I'm expecting something that the acting will relieve something. Uh huh. And I think that's that's a big um, that's there, there's a lot of truth to that. You know that both greed and aversion have that kind of need to act in them, and partly. You know, the discomfort is the, um, the, uh, the, the way that the greed, how do I say this in a short time? <laughs> um, so greed and aversion make choices. You know, it's, it's like there's, there is agency in the mind. There is... Um, 
you know, choice making that happens, it's conditioned, there's choice making that happens. And depending on what's up in the mind, if wisdom is up in the mind, the choice making happens from wisdom. If greed is up in the mind, the choice making happens from greed. And so the, the, it's Saito often talks about the nature of greed is to um, have you believe that taking this action to get what you want is what's going to bring happiness and will relieve the feeling of dissatisfaction that's happening right now. Yeah, and I'm aware that the dissatisfaction is in my mind, it's in a monkey mind going round and round, and I want that to stop. Yes. So I think if I take action, that goes that's, round and That's round the story of greed, yes. Right. The story of greed is the action will relieve the, the, the dissatisfaction. Right, and then there's all this trying to convince myself that it's reasonable and so on. You know. yeah, and that's, that's delusion coming in the service of, <laughs> of <laughs> greed. <laughs> so, so a suggestion would be? Well, I think just notice. Notice that edge for yourself. I mean, and this is, um, you know, the, the, the other thing is, like, in one of the things Sayadaw talked about in the tape yesterday was, you know, the way we learn about the middle is by going to the extremes. You know, we don't just... Wisdom doesn't just drop down from the sky and land in us, you know. We get it by making mistakes. We, get, we gain the wisdom through making the mistakes and learning from them. And so you actually have pointed to the very thing that I think is the, is the, is the wisdom, the understanding that this dissatisfaction, the belief is that this action is what's going to satisfy it. And did it really? I mean... Maybe if, if the outcome had been different, the, the delusion would have been confirmed. Oh, yes, that did satisfy that. Interesting. Yeah, if it had been a different outcome, it would have been confirmed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's how, I think, greed gets its reinforcement, right? I mean, when it gets what it wants, there's a feeling of peacefulness, a feeling of ease, a feeling of happiness. And it's like, yep, that's what I was looking for. Okay, got it. Having what I want did it. So then the, if the next dissatisfaction comes up, it's like, well, the only way that that dissatisfaction is going to end is to get that thing. So an exploration is around, can you begin to hang out with that feeling of dissatisfaction? Can you get comfortable enough to hang out with that feeling of dissatisfaction? You'll eventually see it go away because it is just another phenomenon in the mind that's impermanent, and it will disappear. And it's much harder in silence really magnified. The, the, um, the feeling of dissatisfaction? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It, it, it does tend to get our, our that's called yogi mind. <laughs> yeah, the, the mind. Um, and, and it's not so much the silence, it's actually, I think, concentration that magnifies things. Um, so when, when we, our minds get a little bit concentrated, or a lot concentrated, when a defilement comes up, it's like it picks up on the energy of that concentration and it magnifies the hindrance. Um, and then it's like, boy, you really have to do this thing. You know, you really need to tell that person they should not put their shoes on that way. <laughs> <laughs> and your mind completely believes the importance of that. And that's a silly example, but you know, that kind of thing happens on retreat. It robbed me of a lot of energy. Yes. Yeah. So exploring the dissatisfaction. You know, can you hang out? Um, what does it feel like? Can I? Can I just know what it feel? What does it feel like to be dissatisfied? 
just hang out with that feeling. And explore that in small ways, you know, um, places where, you know, you, you, the satisfaction comes up all day long. <laughs> so explore it in small ways, like, you know, I just went up and I covered the brownies up with a plate so that flies wouldn't be landing on them. And there was this movement of, you know, mm. oh, just have a little bite of brownie. And I should not have that brownie. I mean, for health reasons, I should not have a bite of brownie. And, you know, so there's this, this moment of recognizing that, noticing that. And there was a, a knowing because I know in my own mind that when the visual field doesn't see the thing I want, the wanting really diminishes. It's like, I just put the plate on it. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I can walk away from this now. <laughs> so just to, to kind of hang out with that feeling of dissatisfaction and get begin to get comfortable with that. You'll start to see it letting go. And then, when you start to see it letting go, then you get a real sense of a completely different way towards happiness, which is the happiness of letting go rather than the happiness of having. They've done this interesting research about the moment of purchase. Is the moment that you like hand over your credit card is the moment of ultimate most, satisfaction. Almost, <laughs> the after, highest after you've handed over your credit card, it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> So we need to stop so um, we can talk a little.